Damn Good Podcast is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. You know what it's like sitting there, want to go to the game, not quite sure, tickets are expensive, just wait until the last minute. You can get up to 60% off with all the best last-minute ticket deals. That includes Georgia tickets. They drop right before kickoff. Trust me, just go to the Game Time app and you'll see. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. The app is quick, simple, easy to navigate. You can get music and theater tickets there as well. And believe it or not, there's an in-app panoramic seat view from every section. You know where you're going to sit before you go to the game. That's always important. Head to the App Store or Play Store now and download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face. Hello, everybody. This is Seth Emerson with The Athletic. Welcome to a special podcast, the all-decade review of the 2010s, or whatever we're calling them, decade podcast. Jeff Schultz is over there. Jeff, you ready? I'm, I'm ready, Seth. Let's, let's jump in. So you may have seen already on The Athletic by the time this is running that we've been doing a, what we call a blitz, a whole bunch of stories from different writers and different people about the decade, and that includes on Georgia's front. I did an all-decade team as well as most memorable games, most memorable moments, um, and I chose the best player of the decade, which I actually gave a lot of thought. Jeff and I are going to discuss the all-decade team and best player of the decade in a little bit, but first, Jeff, I think you and you were reviewing the story that I wrote. I sat down and wrote it, and your reaction was what? So be, before I looked at your story, I my first thought was, okay, before I form some thoughts here, I don't want to be influenced by anything you think. Don't take that personally. I kind of approach. I do, but we'll move on. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of approach stories and columns the same way. Like if I'm going to write, you know, a column about Jake Fromm. Let's say I am not. My preference is to not read ten diff, ten recent things that people wrote about Jake Fromm because mm. I want to, as a columnist, I want to form my own thoughts. I, I and so I sort of want to look at, you know, maybe things he has said or 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 you know recent results or statistics or just my own thoughts before I sort of go into okay, well, let's see what he has said about this recently. And sometimes I won't read honestly what other writers write on the subject i'm writing about at all because i don't want to be influenced get so on with before it, i look before i looked at your story seth all right Couldn't i i looked i i went to uh ref one of the reference sites online at georgia football from 2010 to 2019 and my first thought was we can swear on this right <laughs> on <laughs> was uh, was holy poop. Okay. 2010, I remember that year because I remember driving into the Liberty Bowl um, with, at the time I was at the AJC with Tim Tucker, and of course nobody was there. And it's like, that was a really bad yeah. year for Georgia and for Mark Richt. And they lost to Central Florida. I remember this like it was yesterday. And I'm then I'm thinking, wait, wasn't it that next year where, where Georgia lost its first two games 
and everybody thought Mark Rick was going to get fired, and then they won 10 straight. And then I'm thinking all these ups and downs, and then 2012, and it's like, oh my God, look at all the stuff that happened in the in the 2010s. What a decade. I think we'd, we'd be hard-pressed to find a decade in Georgia football history that was more equal parts tumultuous mm-hmm. and things to celebrate. I mean, it was... You had everything in yeah. this decade. You have had everything in this decade. Yeah. Well, for context, now you, as you mentioned, you've been here the whole decade because you were at the AJC forever and then to the Athletic in the last year or so. Um, my first day back on the Georgia beat working for the Macon Telegraph was the basically the first day of football practice 2010, August 1 or August 2. And so I've been here pretty much the whole decade. I've been here for every game. And so I felt pretty equipped to evaluate this decade. And I I feel like you do, Jeff, that it's just been it's been dizzying. It's been dizzying in my own like personal life. When I moved here, it was just me and the dog and the cat. And now it's me and the family. Um, But and and I've moved two different places moving up, in my opinion, both times um, in terms of jobs. On the field, it's it's just been like you said. It's been tumultuous. It's been up. It's been down. Even you started to go through, and you got to 2012, and you were already tired of seeing yes, everything exactly. that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It, By the way, let me interrupt. I didn't realize you got here in August. So, so if we want to start the decade actually in the summer, it was June of 2010 that Damon Evans I missed, had his. I missed at Damon the end of, Yeah. I, I by two months. I when I arrived, they were. <laughs> still feeling the effects of it. Actually, when I arrived, the A.J. Green story had started to break, but they didn't think anything was going to come of it. And then he right. gets then, the, and I think I wrote this over the summer when I did a decade story. The very first game of the decade was against Louisiana Lafayette or Monroe? Uh, I've got it right here. Louisiana Lafayette. They're the same. I think and, I'm convinced they're the same schools. Yeah, so okay. okay. <laughs> but it was Louisiana Lafayette. And they come out, and A.J. Green's in street clothes. And it was like, oh, my God, there's something to this. And that should have told us everything we needed to know about how this decade was going to go for Georgia. They've, they've, they've had everything happen to them except winning the national championship. But, damn it, they came that close to also winning the national championship. It's, they've had a coaching change. Uh, they've had, it seems, many offensive coordinators under fire. Uh, they've had two really good quarterbacks which you've basically seen their almost their entire careers I don't think Jake Fromms is going to end this year but from Aaron Murray it starts with Aaron Murray and it finishes with Jake Fromm um you've seen it's just great players like Todd Gurley and uh I mean you know Nick Chubb Sony Michelle DeAndre Swift just the running backs alone it's it's right. and so many so many moments and great games that I, I, I know that for Georgia fans, reading the top moments and the top games is painful. And that, that also tells you everything you need to know about what this decade yeah, has been that, like that's for the Georgia. Other... I mean, what, what games went the right way? The Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl did. That was great. But close finishes, yeah. you know, uh, heartbreaking for the other team. Have there been many of those? It seems like other than the Rose Bowl, I mean, maybe some others are coming. Notre Dame uh, in 2017. I mean, I mean Notre Dame. Yeah. Notre, Notre Dame, Dame would be about the only one I could think yeah. of. Uh, I mean. Because even in that year 
where let's go back to 2011 where 2012 Florida it wasn't a close finish but that was a tight game it was an eight point win that was a stirring win for Georgia but it wasn't like last second or anything the way a lot of these pain right and I was thinking even 11 when Georgia rolled off those 10 straight wins after the 0-2 start I can't really remember any game that was like the other team must have just been crushed yeah. you know what i mean yeah I well mean, to their I mean, credit the florida game they florida were well game was close, here but. there was one um in 2011 if you hear that background noise that's me looking at my media guide um which claude felton also the sid at the start of this decade and pretty much the same sports information staff the entire decade uh, they've been continual and they do a great job but 2011 had some close wins uh the one at vanderbilt which was just a you know, Drew Butler makes a program-saving tackle to avert, avert a loss to Vanderbilt. Uh, two weeks later, they win against Florida in the Richard Samuel game, 24-20. But that was a year where, you know, they go back to the SEC championship game, but then they get blown out by LSU. Um, yeah, 2012, if you look at it, they had a five-point win over Kentucky, but you don't really... There were... if I, I'm trying to remember some of these, like we said, close wins... At Missouri, 2016, Jacob Eason hitting but Isaiah it, McKenzie in the end zone on fourth down. But did that lead to anything great that season? Not really. Well, and you're mentioning games against Kentucky and Vanderbilt and Missouri. I mean, I think when we yeah. think about great, memorable results, nothing against Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. I think we think about a game with with tremendous magnitude to yeah. it. And where there's a lot of buildup to both teams coming in. And I, so for Georgia, I'm going to assume it's going to have to be games against Alabama or Florida or, you know, Oklahoma, in this case, or Notre Dame. Yeah. There haven't been a lot of those where Georgia has been on the plus side down the stretch, you know, in terms of the great memorable moments. Well, and then nobody's going to say, remember that Kentucky game back in. But (laughs) let me, let me turn this back to the positive part of it because I don't want this to come off as we're just kind of dwelling on the negative and bashing Georgia. Let's use Georgia Tech as an example. Georgia has basically still owned Georgia Tech this decade except for two games in my 2016 and 2014. Uh, Are those the only two? uh, I didn't I didn't I want to say Paul Johnson won three times in Athens. Yeah but uh, only one of yeah, but one of them was the previous decade. So going through, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I don't see another one besides those two. Um, okay, you might be right. Yeah. So me, yeah. 2014, 2016, painful Georgia losses to Georgia Tech went overtime in 2014 because of the squib kick and the long field goal to set up overtime. Right. Um, and then 2016, Georgia Tech winning by one, running it in at the end. Every other game was pretty much every other game was a Georgia blowout with, right. you know, another close win or two. And, and that, Jeff, in a way, kind of symbolizes the decade. We take the 6-7 and seven season out in 2010 and a couple 8-5 and five seasons. This has been a really good program. This has been a, you know, there are so many programs that would trade places with what Georgia has done this decade, but that pain comes from the things that have robbed them from having an even better decade. No, I mean, absolutely. And even, you know, even though like Mark Rick got off to a terrible start in in the 2010s, you know, he came back and had a, had that 
12 win season in 2012 and mm-hmm. came very close to to you know going all the way and and he had actually another two or three I think double digit win seasons. Yeah, the, the 2013 um, and, season gets ripped on, but what people forget about that because the, in the end result they went 8 and 5, but what people forget about that was they started 2 and 1. Um well actually they started uh 4 and 1 with wins against South Carolina and LSU who were both top 10 and then the injuries just killed them right. down the stretch. And then yeah, 2014 and, was a pretty good season. 2015 on paper was 10 and 3, but he got fired. Wasn't it the game in Tennessee where they lost all those guys yes. and in the game and I remember he came into the he walked into the little interview yes. room there in Knoxville and he the dais there was basically this old wooden table that had like and nails sticking out of it. <laughs> and it still is. And I remember him sitting down, putting his hand on the table and cutting his hand. Yes. <laughs> I want to say before the press conference started and the, and of course, I'm sure we all. I wrote it. I'm sure others did too. It's like that was the kind of day it was, and and they. You're right. That was just a. That was that's my strongest memory. I think, even Nazis. Even the beat writers went down that year. That was the year that on the way to Amelia Island, driving down to Florida, me and my basically entire family got food poisoning um, at, a, at a chain yeah. restaurant that I won't name. It just rhymes with Flubway. Um, because apparently, just the, in case they come here yeah. as a, as a uh, well, sponsor, they're not we gonna want now. To, yeah. <laughs> so scratch them off the list. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I don't know what Flubway. I don't know what that could possibly be. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I ended up getting an IV that Saturday morning before the game, and I remember that um, one of my fellow scribes in line when he heard the story and saw how sickly I looked. Uh, because he was very respectful of me, he took a picture of me and tweeted it out, and that that was you, by <laughs> Lovely. the way, uh, because you were such a nice guy. Um, but yeah, and again, we don't want to go through every year this decade because they've been so. Every year has been its own story. Uh, I mean, I, I couldn't possibly do it as, as someone who has written a book that may or may not come out next year. Uh, yeah, I had to, you know, you have to limit yourself on what you write because so many things have happened. Now, I don't know, is someone who covers another school, I mean, Tennessee has had a lot happen, you know, um, yeah. but yeah. they've also not won that much. Georgia has had, you know, has had the Todd Gurley suspension, the AJ Green suspension. Um, they've had a coaching change and they've also had bad seasons but great seasons and the national championship game and the Rose Bowl it, it just seems like I, it, I don't think anybody could have had as an eventful or more eventful decade than Georgia has maybe people other teams have had as eventful a decade although it's all subjective well and to to your point in terms of this not being Tennessee or things just not completely imploding that 10,000 2010 season notwithstanding um you know, even at the end of Mark Rick's tenure, and we haven't even really <laughs> gone there, but in 2015, yeah, things were bad, but they still, you know, even well, with the bowl win, I mean, they won 10 games that year. Yeah. They won 10 games in his last full season. Um, and then the whole storylines with, with Mark getting fired or not fired, as the case may be, but just suddenly not coaching anymore, and that whole weird press conference. And, and then, you know, Kirby Smart coming in the following year. And his first year was certainly less than expected. And, you know, you're right. Each each season has been 
a great story in itself. And I want to touch on something else too, where you talked about, you know, there have been a lot of highs, obviously, to this deck in this decade for Georgia football. And I went back and, and checked. Um, they had 52 players drafted hmm. uh, in the NFL um, to the decade. Now, that's not as much as Alabama, which had 83. And I wasn't going to go through everybody, but I would venture to say it's probably in the top five. Right there. I mean, 52. And that doesn't count, obviously, players who went on to play in the I, NFL. I would didn't guess get drafted. Alabama and LSU and, and, then, Florida, and Florida was right there, okay. too. Yeah. Um, um, but those those three, like Florida and LSU had roughly about the same number, maybe like just a tick ahead of Georgia. And then Alabama had like, you know, 10 or 20 yeah. more than everybody else. That might have been it, though. Because I, I don't, you know, USC at that point wasn't sending players to the NFL like they were before and there, you know, any other schools you could think of. I, I don't know where Ohio State was that year, but but they were sending a lot of players, and and a lot of these guys end up going to Pro Bowls and All Pros, and they were still recruiting at a very high level, and they were still a very good program. Yes, and you touched on some some of those, obviously, in uh, your all decade. Yeah, team. great segue. Because um, I was trying Thank to you. figure out how <laughs> to do the right segue, but you you did a good job of it. Um, okay, so. I wrote an all-decade team. People may or may not be looking at it or whatever. We're not, we're not going to list the whole thing, but um, a, a few. I'll just say when I was looking at this, I had the most problems, and, and this, this kind of reflects where the talents were, where the strengths were on this team, or, or this whole decade. Um, I, I had some debates with people about, for instance, running back. And uh, I will say my criteria was on – the field performance and I put a premium on how many years this decade you played for the team. For instance, people may look at it and say, well, where's AJ Green? Where's Justin Houston? Answer to that, they each only played in 2010, this decade. They had fantastic careers uh, before that as well, but I'm only, I'm, I'm going by what happened this decade and it's not best players that this team has had this decade. It's most accomplished, which is why I went with uh, those. I, I went with two guys, Malcolm Mitchell and Tavares King at wide receiver rather than AJ green. And at outside linebacker, Justin Houston isn't on there. Leonard Floyd and Jarvis Jones are Jarvis Jones only two years at Georgia, but first team all American both years. So that one was kind of a no brainer. Um, Jeff, did you look at my all decade team and say, I'm, I'm an idiot at any point or, uh, anything you want to I, pick at and I, react to? Yeah, I did. I mean, I, and you, you know, I, I wasn't married to certain criteria, like maybe you guys were asked to do, mm-hmm. um, by, by editors. So they didn't tell us, I that. mean, I, I, I went by my own, that, that was okay. Own I got criteria. you. And, and so from my criteria, even though he only played one year and in fact only played six games in that year. I'm talking about AJ Green. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would put him on. I mean, but I I, I get why you didn't do it. Um, but when you look back, he had he had 900 plus yards in only six games that yeah. he that, that he. Wait, have I got this side? Or am I thinking of Gurley? I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Gurley. Uh, but but back to but let me let me start with Green here. And Green uh, wasn't because, all SEC that year, by the way, because he missed four games. Not right. only did he only play one year this decade, he missed four games. Right. And and the team wasn't wasn't very good. But I went back and, and I was trying to remember, I wasn't at the Colorado game, but I'm thinking he made a couple unbelievable catches yes. that year. 
Yes. And I went back, and if you you can find it on YouTube, you could like find AJ Green 2010 Georgia highlights. He made a a catch in the right corner, yes. kind of near the right corner of the end zone, where he went out and and pivoted, you know, counterclockwise, and then freshman, I believe, Aaron Murray threw him a pass that he leapt leaped in the air. He threw a back shoulder pass and he leaped in the air and caught one-handed, yep. leaping one-handed and came down and managed to hold on to the ball. One of the best coaches I uh, catches I've ever yeah. seen and that and and that year yours truly actually was one of the hosts or presenters at the Atlanta Sports Awards and there were a bunch of people there and I happened to be sitting at a table next to Thomas Dimitrov, the Falcons general manager, uh, then only entering his third year, I believe. And they're showing A.J. Green highlights. And I don't know if it was because, you know, he was up for a play play of the year or player of the year or whatever. And 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 Thomas turns around and looks at me and kind of smiles because they had a first-round draft pick that year. Mm-hmm. And I said, you really got to draft that guy. <laughs> and and he goes, yeah, yeah, I know. I know about him. Of course, he ended up drafting a guy named Julio Jones. And I don't, not sure if Julio ever made it out of training camp. I don't know whatever became of him. Yeah. Yeah, um, but, where the Falcons blew it by not drafting a Georgia guy. They, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, you know, A.J. Green stands out to me. Todd Gurley, uh, absolutely. Uh, and, again, that, that one that one year, where whichever season it was, where he had 900-plus uh, yards in six games. Roquan Smith. And then you touched on my one of my other favorite players was Malcolm Mitchell. Um, not just because he was such a great player with really – not, I don't think extraordinary skills or speed or anything, but just so smart and mm-hmm. and such a great dude off the field. And everybody knows the story about him, you know, writing a kid's book and learning to read. And um, you, you know, I think you really hit on most of those guys on your team. Just not only great players, but just really good guys and solid guys. Yeah, I don't want to get too much into this, but we we got to, you know, frankly, under Mark Rick's media policies, we got to know these guys better. Um, and you know, I mean, that says it. That's just fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's just kind of the way it is. Uh, if you look at the the rest of the teams, surprises, names that jump out at you. Um, now they had two first round tackles in Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wynn, so they were kind of blessed there. And then at the interior lineman, though, Cordy Glenn, I think he was a second rounder, but he's still in the NFL. Uh, I put him at guard because he played at guard most of his career at Georgia. I think he went to tackle his senior year. Um, Lamont Galliard, I put at guard, even though he was a center for Georgia's two years or his last two years because he played guard as a sophomore because David Andrews, you had to put him at the center spot, not just based on the fact that he's latched on in the NFL despite being an undrafted free agent, but people might forget he was a damn good player for Georgia, and he was the heart of that 2014 offense. Um, so I kind of fooled around with the positions to get those guys on there uh, at the offensive line. Um, at running back, any problems with the way I went there with going Chubb and Gurley? I mean, Sony Michelle, no. DeAndre Swift have arguments. We're not done with DeAndre Swift's career, obviously, but um, I mean, this is running back you. You think I picked the right two for this decade? No, absolutely. I, I think Chubb, you know, everything he did, particularly down the stretch um, with that team that, that, you know, went to the championship, I, I think, you know, that speaks for itself on the kind of guy he was. Todd Gurley was, 
the best running back I've ever seen mm-hmm. coming out of college since Eric Dickerson. And in fact, not to name drop here, but I will name drop. But when, and I covered Eric Dickerson his first two seasons in the NFL. Um, but when the Rams made that, I want to say they made a huge trade before that draft and basically traded to sign Todd Gurley or to draft Todd Gurley. Um, I sent a text message to Les Snead, the Rams general manager, and I said basically what I just said to you. I said, you guys have got a great running back. This is the best guy I've seen since Dickerson. He was like basically in agreement yeah. with me. Um, he was so much better than anybody else on the field when he was on the field. And you could tell defenses just did not know what to do because he was that rare combination of not just speed, but a guy who could make you miss. He had that cutback. And, you know, I I would have loved to have seen him with like at least three full seasons to see everything he could have done uh, at Georgia. Here's another and, summation of what it was like this decade at Georgia. Maybe the most electrifying moment at Sanford Stadium this decade didn't count. It was Todd Gurley's first game back, the Auburn game, mm-hmm. from the suspension. Yeah. They put him back on kickoff return. <laughs> I don't even remember he, that. I remember I remember the game. He but returns, yeah. the, and the, the kickoff goes to him. He returns it all the way for a touchdown. Gets called <laughs> back by a penalty. <laughs> penalty that, in retrospect, I think it was on Brandon Kublano. I, but I, I think it was one of those deals where, yeah, it was a penalty, but it – was not going to stop the play. And so it was kind of like, come on, guys, have some appreciation for the moment. Um, But that was just such an electrifying moment. It's still too bad that it didn't count. Yeah, yeah. And that he tore his ACL later in the game and never played. Yeah, and that's, you know, unfortunately, you know, it it appears injuries might be catching up with him in the NFL. Again, this guy was just unbelievable, but it, it seems like he's just, right now, he's not the same guy. I don't know how terribly happy he is in LA right now, but that'll be the engine. That'll be my only tangent right now. I'll I'll try to uh, to stay on the rails. (laughs) I wanted to talk also briefly on some names on the defense. Um, I went with John Mm -hmm. Atkins uh, as one of my defensive linemen. A lot of people would have gone with John Jenkins and it was close. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I didn't Mm -hmm. have to say like nose tackle or defensive lineman. You might also notice I went with two defensive linemen and that was it. Um, that might also, again, reflect that they weren't as strong on the defensive line as they could have been this decade. And I was able to do that because you go two defensive linemen, four linebackers, five in the secondary, uh, which actually is an alignment they use sometimes. Not this year, but a lot of times it can be two D linemen and then one of the outside linebackers puts his hands down and it looks like it's three down linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But in the secondary – it was interesting. I, I find you know you, you take some names and you just put them in and you say, all right, DeAndre Baker, yeah, he's one of the cornerbacks. He was a first team All American, and then J.R. Reed. I said, like, look, he was a starter on the national championship team, and this year he's a Nagurski finalist. Yeah, he's he's on the list. I, I end up, I, I couldn't find another cornerback better than Damian Swan, who we we look back and say, you know what, he was a really good cornerback. Um, and then an interesting name, Aaron Davis. I put him at Nickelback, even though he moved around a lot. That guy was a four-year starter who came to school as a walk-on, right. as in literal walk-on. Like Todd Grantham didn't know who he was in 2013. Jeremy Pruitt arrives, says, that guy can play, and he becomes a starter and a four-year starter. And then the last one in the secondary, 
Dominic Sanders, who is just a star-crossed name in Georgia history because of the last play he had at Georgia. But before that, he was really good. He tied the program record for interceptions. Um, Another guy that kind of sums up what this decade was like for Georgia. Yeah, I, you know, to me, you, you couldn't go wrong with almost anybody you put on here. I mean, if you, if you picked 11 guys on defense and you picked from a pool of, let's say, 25 worthy candidates, I don't think you could have really gone wrong with any of them. I mean, my personal favorites were, you know, Roquan Smith, obviously, mm-hmm. just because to see that kind of speed that just jumps out at you on the field and at that position and can change games just because of that speed. That That's one guy. Jarvis Jones, just because, you know, I loved watching him play and also because the kind of guy he was yeah. off the field and talking to him was so much fun. And and the other one would be Jonathan Ledbetter. I mean, just because of everything he overcame and because, again, not a guy who's just huge or – again, just has such dominant skills that you know is going to make it to the next level. But just because he was so dedicated and such a good guy and such a great leader and what he became um, that I I guess would say his last two seasons for that Georgia team and certainly his last season, um, I think nobody would have foreseen coming three or four years earlier. Um, And so to me, you hit hit all the right guys. And you got, you know, you guys that had their little – you know, certainly a guy like Alec Ogletree, you would say he might have had a couple flaws there, but he was such a great player, and then he he overcame some stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, I like seeing. I, I'm glad you had J.R. Reed on there, which you know, again, it might seem like a slam dunk, but not a guy that a lot of times it seems like a lot of people don't really talk about. You know, it's like how come nobody's talking about J.R. Well, Reed? He, he's mean, not a what he's spectacular done. player. He also doesn't play a spectacular position. He plays strong right. safety. Um, the free safety spot is is where now Sean Williams was one that I was, you know, I, I was kind of loath not to put him on there because he was maybe my favorite player of the decade. But um, J.R. Reed was more accomplished, and, and J.R. Reed has started for three seasons and is a Nagurski finalist. He's not going to win it, but um, he's he's on it. He's probably going to be first team All SEC, and he was a starter on the 2017 team, and he he really hasn't done anything wrong. You, you try to remember plays where like he made a bonehead play or he did something wrong, like missed a tackle or a touchdown went over his head or he gave up a touchdown. It's happened probably, but I don't remember anything. <laughs> He's just been a really good player. Yeah. Um, wrap it up with what about my pick for player of the decade? Uh, I went with, I had, it came down to three guys, Aaron Murray, who we've talked about a little bit, Jarvis Jones, who we've talked about a little bit, and Nick Chubb. Um, I went with Nick Chubb. Jeff, any anybody else you would have considered, and do you think I went with the right guy? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with Nick Chubb at all. Uh, I think those are the right candidates. I, I mean, the only, the other other guy I would have referenced would have been, I mean. The other guy I would have strongly considered, I would say, would be would be Aaron Murray, just solely because of the position he played. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could probably come up with more arguments if I did, you know, a 
pros and cons for for Nick Chubb than than for Aaron Murray. Uh, and then when you factor in, you know, that Chubb missed some games uh, because of injury, uh, and 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 that he came back, you know, he could have been maybe even greater. He had even bigger numbers than he did. So I. I, I agree. I, I mean, again, I think most people are going to gravitate toward the quarterback or a dominant pass rusher or something like that. But Nick Chubb was so good from the time he, he stepped on that campus or became kind of the guy. And, and again, <laughs> such an important guy in that locker room um, that uh, I think you picked the right guy there. <laughs> I think it, it also just kind of the story in what he mm-hmm. overcame with the ACL. Not even ACL. Absolutely. It was everything but the ACL. And there are people saying he was never going to play football again. Turns out the start the next game, uh, the North Carolina game, and being such a focal point of the 2017 run, um, I think for as much on-field accomplishments and sentimental value, I think that was why it went with him. And got to say, <coughs> doing this now – uh, rather than maybe the end of the season. You never know how this is going to play out. Jake Fromm, in the end, could have an argument. Uh, I mean, if if they win an SEC championship, go to the national championship, win the national championship. But we can't, you know, we can't predict that when we're doing this. So, And, by the way, technically, a national championship game would happen 2020, so next decade, which – will be a there you uh, go <laughs> that'll be a headache when in 2029 i'm having to do this list if georgia wins the national championship this year because there will be people let, let, let's say jake Fromm has this great game there'll be people that say well jake Fromm's player of the decade because he had the most important game of the decade you know if they haven't won another national championship at that point now i say this I, and I georgia think, might be done yeah. a lot before that i also think it's kind of funny that you're already worried about you know what are you going to say on this podcast in 2029 i think that's pretty cool yeah yeah well and say this when this podcast didn't exist two months ago and the athletic didn't exist like three years ago but hey that's you know got to think about these things it's all you might be talking into a uh, microchip on your watch or your shoe phone and then just kind of like you know touching it and it's going to go to headquarters shoe phone. Back then. So the, we're not we're not going to be talking into the, the yeah, watch well, kind of watch phone thing you know watch microphone i could see well that. i i still think the whole get smart you know mac maxwell smart shoe phone is is going to come back yeah I, i'm holding out hope again really really <laughs> skewing uh yeah skewing young there for our audience are you saying are you saying some people might not pick up on that pop culture reference i'm, I'm saying that's not pop culture that's ancient history <laughs> but sorry yeah. I, 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 I'm a little offended but that's fine everybody out listening to this now who didn't get that raise your hand I, I, I see a lot of people hands. not raising their hand gotta be honest with you All right, everybody. Everybody now is gonna is gonna Google get smart shoe phone, and they're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, there there was a more recent movie uh, because um, what's his face? Steve Carell wasn't a get smart movie like what twelve years ago. Yeah, but you know, it, the, you know, the TV show was written by Mel Brooks and Buck Henry. And that that's pretty hard. Was to, it? And two other I names? Everybody's gonna. Really. Everybody else is gonna <laughs> Google now. Yeah, no, I didn't know Mel Brooks wrote it. And that was you know. You learned uh, something. New. He was one of the original creators, I okay. believe. Yes. 
So there you go. Things things that you learn on this podcast. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Well, there's huh? a tangent, and I thought it was a damn good tangent. Thank you. All right. Well, hope everyone enjoyed our thoughts on this decade. Jeff, any final thoughts on this all decade? No, I'm thoughtless. I'm thoughtless. I'm good. Good. Nice job, though. Thank you. All right, everybody. Uh, we'll, I, I, I say we'll be back. I mean, we're it's kind of specially recording this, uh, so I, I just won't say we'll be back to talk about the Georgia Tech game or whatever because I'm not sure exactly when you're hearing this. So I hope you enjoyed our all-decade uh, show, and I hope you tune in for our all-decade show in 2029 as well as in 2039 <laughs> and 2049. Goodness knows what and, those uh, decades ha- are going to look like. We're going to be reviewing what uh, what we think Georgia football looked like in the 2020s under uh, head coach Mike Bobo, um, who obviously <laughs> uh, assumed the reins in 2021 because uh, Kirby Smart had a uh, had a you know, heart attack on the sidelines, and he was great. He was fine. That was what was wonderful about it. He turned out to just be fine, but Mary Beth told him you can't coach anymore. And so Michael Bobo took the reins, and the rest is history, about the 2020s. I think my tangent was far better than your tangent. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> but, uh, but happy Thanksgiving to you, and, and in the next 10 years, if I don't see you again until, <laughs> yeah. or talk to you again until the 2029 <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'd all be uh, better served if you went into a coma right now and woke up in 2029, and <laughs> we had to tell you everything that happened. <laughs> All right, everybody. All right. See you in 2029. We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face.